0: Lace up your boots and grab your mouth guards. It's time for the Rugby Wrap, the podcast about all things Western force and the game we love. Well, hello and welcome to the Rugby Wrap. Great to have you with us as we pick through the best and worst bits of Super Rugby and Club Rugby from the weekend. My name's Mick Collis. Joining me, former Wallaby Mitch Hardy. Mitch, good to see you.
1: Yeah, nice to be back again, Mickey. It's a bit cold, bleak, and rainy here in Perth at the moment. The, uh, the poor weather's found its way over from over east to the west. So. But good news, the Premier's going to lift some of these COVID restrictions. We might have a normal life soon.
0: Yeah, I know. Wait and see. We'll wait and see. And also with us, Nedland's own Heath Tessman. Tess, always a pleasure. Yeah, the uh, the spates are on me on the weekend, boys. And uh, it's good, <laughs> yeah. to Finally.
2: See good to see you guys enjoying Spinning them. Good Finally. little buddy. good little dust up by the Netties.
0: Netties boys over UWA as well. So. Yeah, don't, don't get ahead of yourself. We'll, we'll okay. come to that. We'll come to that. All right, all right-o. Well, last weekend was Super Round in Super Rugby Pacific, but it would be more accurate to call it not-so-Super Round, with only one of the Australian sides getting up over the New Zealand counterparts. As we know, the Western Force had their match postponed because they lost Heath Testman's phone number and couldn't call him in to bolster their COVID-ridden pack, so Australia was one team down. But this week, a very fresh Western Force will take on the Blues at HBF Park on Friday night. And one man who knows exactly what that will be like is former Blues, Western Force and all-black half, Albie Mathewson. And he joins us now. Albie, thanks for your time on the Rugby Wrap. No worries. How's it going? Good. Now, mate, well,
2: before spe- we- Actually, speaking of COVID, riddled Floody, they wouldn't, they couldn't have called you to come over here for the Force, A eh? Because you're already with the Reds, Alves. Oh, yeah. My,
3: the rumours
1: are I was with
3: them. Yeah. I was with them for a week. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, uh, oh, you know, I'm available. <laughs> Before we get into the forty, so Albie, what have you been up to since you left the force back in 2016? Well, how long you got? Yeah, where do we, where do we want to start with that?
3: <laughs> okay. Well, I went from the force. I went to Bristol in the UK there, um, which is it was an interesting time. Um, obviously, a different competition. They have the promotion relegation, so you know every week is is, is really tough there because you know if you finish near the bottom there. You get relegated. So went to Bristol and then from Bristol, I went to France. Um, a little uh, place called Toulon, wasn't it? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, just a, just a little.
3: <laughs> very, very, very interesting place. And uh, obviously, you hear the stories about the way they do things in France and they didn't let me down. <laughs> it was. <yeah. laughs> Uh, some funny stories from there, the owner refusing to let us get on the plane because we lost to a team away, things like that. <laughs> our, co- our coach leaving at half-time during a game because he had to go to the to the international game in Paris, the commentator game. He also got slapped during that game. He's also <laughs> he's also now the French coach. I won't name names. <laughs> uh, things like that. And then from France, I ended up in, in Munster there for like a good couple of years and I loved it there. Um, made some really good friends. And Steve Larkin was there. Um, took a while for him him and I to speak, though, because he hates Kiwis. And <laughs> no, and, uh, nah, it was good. And then, oh, sorry. And then after that, I ended up in Ulster in the north there. So I lost all my Munster friends because they, <laughs> they hate people from the north. Uh, and then, yeah, and then um, that was a tough old time, though, 13, you know, covid I sort of left June 2020 and COVID was sort of just hitting then and, you know, like a lot of people just sort of, uh, you know, sort of go away kind of thing. So mm. I was lucky enough, I could still fly out and got there and obviously things are pretty bad there, but um, didn't didn't think I wouldn't be able to come home for 13 months. So mm. that was pretty tough, but, you know, playing in front of no crowds and things like that and, very isolated. there, only allowed to go to the supermarket and back and things like that. But and saying that, you know, most people, a lot of people, weren't allowed to work. So we're still lucky that we're even allowed to to play. So not whinging too much about it.
0: But so yeah. Just on on that, we so we've we've seen all the the players playing in, without crowds. So yeah, what's that actually like as a player? It's very strange because obviously, like. Personally, I
3: wouldn't I wouldn't rely on the crowd to sort of get me up or anything. But there are a lot of guys that do rely on that. But but the atmosphere of a crowd, whether it's a home crowd or away crowd, hostile or not, like it's just it's just you know that's what sports for is for playing in front of people and for that atmosphere. We went we uh, actually made the Pro 14 final and played it in uh, in Dublin there in an eighty thousand seat stadium with no one in there. No so there. wow, that was very strange. And then. We uh, yeah played and uh, played playing at uh, uh, Murrayfield in Scotland another massive stadium, no one in there. But France was they their restrictions weren't strict, so we played Toulouse over there in a European game, and I think they had a full crowd. I don't think they bothered about restrictions there.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: but um, yeah, uh, very strange though. A lot of it's you know. It's just no noise. You can hear everything as well and, mm. on the rest mic and all that stuff, and just yeah, strange.
0: And so, what are you what are you
3: doing with yourself now? Um, so now, oh, I've sort of like Heath said, I, I was actually with the Reds there for a wee bit um, when <laughs> Tate McErmit got injured. So I actually came back and I thought, I'll oh, bugger it. I'll, I'll see because I I still had contract offers, but I couldn't be away anymore, you know, mm. and it was going to be overseas, so I got back here and I just jumped on LinkedIn and looked I uh, found Sam Cordenly and said hey mate, do we uh, need another half back and uh, they actually named the team the next day, so um, but then I got a message from him just randomly saying, hey mate call me, and I was like, oh, I think I know what this might be, anyway, yeah, they said oh, come up come up and do a medical with the, with the doctor there, and I was like oh yeah, went up there, did a medical Saw the physio, yep, past that. And he goes, oh, and then the the trainer comes and grabs me and goes, oh, we're just going to go outside and do a little run there. And I was like, oh yeah. And he goes, oh, what sort of run? He goes, oh, I'll tell you exactly how far it is. It's one point two k's. And I said, oh, not the not the Bronco. And he goes, no, <laughs> I don't call it the Bronco. I call it the one point two k shuttle. So <laughs> uh, it's a fairly tough fitness uh, test. And
2: it day was one, super- day one, they drag you in, sit you oh, on the Bronco.
3: It was just after all the floods as well. So all that. Oh, A heavy pitch. It was it was 33 degrees. Uh, <laughs> muggy as hell up there at Ballymore there. And just, I was by myself. And uh, where they train, I don't know, you might know, but like the coaches, uh, officers, you know, there's windows down
2: on top of it. <laughs>
3: I could see that all the players were coming to the physio room because obviously they're f- fairly young compared to me. And I sort of like... They either knew who I was and was were thinking, "What's this old bastard doing here?" Or they're also thinking, "Who is I?" <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I managed to do it right in the test, and yeah, and then just joined them for the for the last sort of five or six weeks. So it was good to be back in that environment because you know you miss it when it's when it's gone there. So I've been also been doing some coaching and rugby league, this uh, sort of elite program for for kids that get them ready for the preseason and. So guys like Isaac Luke, the Kiwi international, and Rabado's hooker, he was there, and they get other international. I mean, sorry, ex NRL players or NRL players to coach. So um, that was a good experience for me as well. Like I enjoy the coaching side and mentoring young guys and, and things like that. So, um, and I've just started with uh, with the private school over here, not the private school I want to get at. Uh, Tim mcisaac has got that gig, but I'm gonna get- I'm gonna get that off him. <laughs>
2: because <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what you were looking at doing before moving back to australia wasn't it um when you moved to ulster that was looking at kind of a transition from playing into into a coaching role there yeah exactly.
3: um just because you know rugby's all i've known and and like people get me stick about being at all these clubs but i've been around lots of coaches and players so i pick up a whole lot and i consider myself uh, fairly intelligent so i know Quite a bit about the game
2: yeah we know you think pretty highly of
3: yourself <laughs> <laughs> and our information but i actually genuinely like seeing people get better and i actually was at the res there's like a mentoring role as well with because the nines they're quite young kalani and uh and spencer jeans there so um i enjoyed working with them and and they really enjoyed it as well um and they got a lot out of it like just little things i helped them out with and the kicking stuff especially because you know, there wouldn't be a whole lot of nines kicking in the Southern Hemisphere,
0: but up north, yeah,
3: geez, you, you, that's all you do.
0: And have you have you kept your eye on on the Western Force, the fortunes of the Force?
3: Yeah, because I've got a, a good few mates that uh, oh, that are joined there now. Like Thrushies there. I yeah. you know, I, did, I started playing my career. I started my career with them. Same with Richard Kahui. You know, we played. um new zealand 21s together a long time ago like 2006 i think it was um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah i, I still uh, kept an eye on it as well even though like most of the you know the guys i would have been with there are sort of are gone now um i still obviously like i enjoyed my i really enjoyed my time i was there for four years like
0: mm.
3: you know one of my kids was born there i Play 50 games for them, like, just made really good friends. I enjoyed it. Like, you know, we didn't win as many games as what we'd like, but I I thought we had a good team culture and, you know, we enjoyed each other's company, you know, things like that. So, no,
0: I loved it. That was going to be my question. You know, what what were some of your best memories of your time over here? Oh, SAS camps every year. (laughs) (laughs) Genuinely,
3: (laughs) I genuinely yeah, and, sicko yeah i love that stuff but, <laughs> <laughs> um but just making like really good mates because because we had a good team culture there like, you know like guys like whitey and and heath and pick and hojo and you know like we just everyone played hard for each other as well. and we had some real characters in the group as well you know where the uh, uh, honey badger, obviously, and we had uh, Christy there and Alfie Murphy for for a little while until he uh, <laughs> got to go to France. <laughs> um, but I just the the crowd, the supporters as well. You know, geez, they they be there week in and week out, um, supporting you and and everything. And you know, we we had some good wins too over Kiwi teams, and you know, um, most of our games were. You know, we're right in until like the last sort of fifteen minutes or so and you know, um When they you know. take
2: you off the field. Eh? <laughs> when they take when they take you off, eh? <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> well, no. Nah, nah. nah. So it's it's been a tough season for the force this year. So from what you've seen, what are they missing or what do they need to do to, to try and improve or turn it around or do whatever they need to do? I've, I'm going to go so I'm going to go a wee bit bigger picture here I think it's it's tough
3: in general for Australia like I I've, I'm really quite concerned about the rugby side of things here rugby union um for example just like the junior stuff over here in Gold Coast like so so under 12 my son's would be under 12s there's eight union teams and 30 league teams. Wow. Yeah. And those out of those eight under twelve teams they're struggling to get the full amount of numbers. And just yeah, yeah just just the interest in, in unions just sort of it, it's not quite there. And, and and it's it's tough because obviously like you see, you know, the Reds and the Brumbies go that go well in the Aussie comp, but even talking with Brad Thorne, you know, their goal, he he doesn't want to just compete with the Aussie teams. You know, you, you want to compete with the Kiwi teams mm. and th- that, and, and it is tricky because league just consumes, you know, league and AFL and and they get a lot of the athletes and that. Um, it is tricky, but the good thing, I don't know if it's still the same, but in Perth, the junior system over there, when I was there, was just outstanding. There's so many kids, so the players are going to come through and come through eventually. But having the force in the competition um, regularly taking them in, taking them out—that's that's obviously not going to be good. But those young players are going to come through and really bolster the the force side. And I think um, you know it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good for them in the future. And they've got a lot of—I think they're going really well. You know, they got um, a lot of young guys coming coming through, and then they've got some old, experienced guys there, some of those Kiwi boys, and then you know they've got. Um, internationals that have come back from overseas, the Aussie boys and things like that, I think just being back in the competition will help them you know, playing tough games week in and week out, that's what they need you know, you can't be playing, no offence you know, that when they were playing those sort of Mickey Mouse games when they were out of the competition
2: grr, you need- grr, go global rapid rugby, yeah. <laughs>
3: um, you need you need tough games week in and week out and I think, you know Again, the key. I don't want to harp on it, but you know, when they play each other, it's <laughs> tough week in and week out. And then,
0: hmm.
3: you know, and you know, competition is good. You know, iron sharpens iron, all those sort of cliches and things like that. But I just think um, the more they play, that the better it'll be for them. Hmm. So it's it's good to see them back in there. Um, maybe some uh, some coach not having to go at the coaches there, but maybe some. In general, in Australian rugby, I think maybe if you get some like ex players into these coaching roles, like a step like well known, you know, players that have played at a high level and aren't too far removed from the game. Cause because they because they're so young, like they can still have a they can still understand um the youth and stuff like that, and have common ground and then still understand the modern game. I feel like um, you know, like I they could really tap into guys, like, even like, I don't know, he probably doesn't want to and things like that, but Drew Mitchell, guys like that, that are back in Australia, get their knowledge, who've played around the world as well. Again, if they don't want to coach, they don't want to coach, but but getting those guys in that have a lot of knowledge and, you know, played at the highest level for, for a long time will be really helpful as well. Hmm. So, but that's and just if, my...
0: Yeah, if, if, you, if you were Simon Cron, the new coach that were coming in, uh, sort of who who would you be chasing to try and bolster up the roster at the force three picks
3: in terms of uh players you mean not well they got Paul Tito. geez they must be paying him a lot of money for him because <laughs> he does not like the sun that man <laughs> <laughs> he hated it at least i played with him back yeah, way back with the hurricanes um in terms of players you mean like trying to poach them from other franchises?
0: Yeah, or just or, or the sort of play that you think they need that would make a difference. Like we we I mean they've obviously got some good players, but they're they're not as competitive as they should be because there's probably a, a couple of spots that are they're a bit weak in. So what would you, if it was you, you had a clean slate, you could pick three players just to drop in there in positions that you think they're really they need a hand in. Well, that's a bit question without notice, but yeah. Um, Maybe, this, maybe this, rather drop
1: names. Maybe I mean rather, rather than names, look at positions.
3: There's a fair few Aussies playing overseas that you'd like to get back, like Will Skelton, for example. Like he's thriving overseas, but you know it's, you know I think what Kirtley Bill's coming back, isn't he? I think yeah. so. I think, I think, think he, so. Yeah, uh, again, be back. He's yeah. he's really like he's playing really well over there and, and matured and and same like just being around James O'Connor. He's still. Geez, he's still class. Like at the Reds, spending time with him, um, he knows the game so well. Like guys like that, you can you can pick their brains and, and things like that. You know, like geez, even like quite like you know, Quade was playing really well for the Wallabies. Mm. Like, it'd be good. You know, he's Australian. It's yeah. gonna be I the same. He's getting paid in Japan, but if you can get someone like that, that's you know, he can he can really run a team as well. You know, it's so those uh, playmaker roles are so crucial, and uh, you know, it's it's it helps to have those experienced guys in and around the young guys because the ten, what uh, the young ten from the the force, oh, that Passatola Rashad, yeah, yep. You know, he's, he you know, great potential on him, but it's you know, it helps when you you got someone to learn from as well, yeah. and that's sort of kind of notice about say with um Australian rugby it is so young that it's like who who do they learn from you know that's why it's like uh having those those players that have just recently retired been involved in the group that can help them is 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 really good like um so example the reds like Kalani's 19 or 20 and Spencer Jeans is 21 and then Tate's, like, 24 or 25, like, Tate's still learning, you know, mm-hmm. who, I know Sam Cornelys there, he's helping out a lot as well, but, you know, you got a lot of these young players that they don't really have anyone to sort of mentor them as such, so I think, you know, having guys come in and, and help them out is, is really beneficial, and again, like I said, the nines said they got so much out of, like, me being around there, and even Harry Wilson said, like, just telling them as a the number eight, like, if I was defending him as a nine, there's certain things I can do to to stuff him up there and just help him out with that sort of stuff, and he he really enjoyed that as well. But just having someone that's really experienced just help them with those little things because it is it's just little things that that can help them.
0: Do um, you think? Do you think you, you talk about Australian rugby being very young? Do you think that um, that kids think if they haven't made it by a certain age that they just leave? Like, are they? Are are we got them where it's? If 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 you're not starting regularly by the age of twenty or twenty one, you go overseas or whatever you might do. Do you think is that a problem with Australian rugby that they don't stay around for long enough?
3: I do think so. And also, this is my this is again this is my thoughts on it because it's a private school game here. A lot of players, the major like from what I understand and what I see, you could you can correct me on this, Heath, but a lot of them come from a fair amount of money and they've never had to really work super hard for things. So it's like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm a freshman rugby player. Oh yeah. It's, I'm just happy to be a pro rugby player. Oh, but if you lost, if you didn't say the next day you broke your arm or leg or something, you could never play again. It wouldn't be the end of the world for them.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I was having a discussion with um, a South African guy in the group at the- at the Reds, he made a good point. He, he said, when things get really, really tough on the field, what do the Wallabies look back to? What's their, you know, what do they look back to? You know, South Africans have got, you know, obviously everything that's gone on there. You know, have you seen, um, what's the, is it Chasing the Sun with um, the the documentary? Mm. Have you seen?
2: No. Which one? I think I've got the, there's a book for it as well, isn't there?
3: At the Erasmus, yeah. So you know, before the game, they had all their family's photos and and stuff on their jerseys or oh, names. Yeah,
2: yeah.
3: And my pimpy, he had nothing because his whole family had been killed. Mm. You know, these guys have got this 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 extra sort of motivation. And then New Zealand, you've got you've got the culture. Um, and all, the, all that sort of stuff. And then the South Africans. They have to, to live in New Zealand as well. That's like <laughs> enough to get. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You've got to compete with the best every get day. Get, get out you, to
2: the Gold Coast. <laughs> the,
3: the, com, the competitiveness there is just, it's unreal. You've got three, or three, four, five guys behind you trying to take your position. And you can have one bad training and you, you might not play again. And then this sort of, sort of ask some of the Reds boys, what do the Wallabies go to when it gets tough on the field? You know, what are they sort of, you know, it's just that, you know, that's just my sort of thing with the, with the, with the private school back. Like it's, it's,
2: yeah, it's not, it's not something that is as, I think, I don't think it's as large anymore, but there's definitely, there is definitely a, a rooted seed in that as well. Like I'll always remember, um, when I spent some time down with the Melbourne Rebels and we were talking about Craig Bellamy and how in rugby league, every guy that was on his first contract there had to pick up a shovel his first two weeks. He's like, gets there. He's got his new joggers. He's got his new boots there and he's ready to rock and roll. He gets there and they give him a high vis shirt and a shovel. And they're like, you're going out and you're working on the roads for the first two weeks of your contract. Because if you don't, if you don't you know, know how lucky you are here, that's where you're going to end up. So you go out there and you, you go dig ditches for the first two weeks and then come back and we'll start, you know, running and playing the rugby ball. And we were talking about it and it like was really amazed me. I thought like, you know, Mm. because me personally, I I was lucky enough, like I was an older guy. I was 24 when I got my first contract, which, um, you know, is is probably unheard of nowadays. It is something that you were alluding to there before Mick, like people that get to that age are probably already gone overseas. But I was like, you know, that that would, I was fortunate enough that I've been working full time and that i you know, would app- I really appreciated what I was able to work hard and achieve? But then, you know, in that same group, when we spoke about that, it always resonated with me with one of the one of the younger guys, private school guys. That goes, well, you know, I just if I wasn't playing rugby, I'd just be working for my dad's brokerage. And you're like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, like, let's go straight over here. Like- yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's I don't and I don't. It's not as strong as it used to be because I think like rugby Australia's realize that they need to start looking beyond you know 12 schools in the country to find their their next crop of players but i think the that there is yeah there's still that small percentage where it is yeah it's a yeah you know, it's a bit white collar i get all very white collar and people haven't understood you know true hardships as well mm. and i mean it's it's getting concerning if, as we talk about those number of schools those number of schools are dwindling. Like, um, And I don't know if it's in the mailbag for later or anything, Mick, sorry, but have a look at the Redcliffe Dolphins today or yesterday announcing that they've formed an allegiance with the, with the, the nursery. nursery, with a place yeah. called the nursery, like a place that's bred more wallabies than any other school in Queensland. And they're linking up with the Redcliffe Dolphins now. So yeah. it's, it's, it's worrying. Hmm. It is. There
3: are ways. You can whatever that is, but you can combat that by the environment you create in your team. Once you get those players in, it's up to the coaches, the environment you can create, no matter the background, you want to create the most competitive environment there is. You know, if guys don't want to handle that competitiveness, well, they can leave or, or they'll get weeded out anyway. But, you know, regardless of the background, you create that that environment. That's just like you fight for everything. Like we had that at the force there. I mean, he did for we, a while. We, we, were playing, we were playing, we were playing just stupid like conditioning games and we had a punch up over it. Like
2: <laughs> <laughs> I had more, I had more fights during training than I ever had in any game. <laughs> just, But that, but that was exactly why, because you were just, you were scrapping for every inch that you could get. Um, and sorry to take you away from that. I like uh, it, the, like the, the the staff around those players do create that atmosphere like that. I, I was talking to another guy on the East Coast and talking about, you know, where the force are going wrong, what they need to improve. And he was saying, look, they, they've got too many guys that are learning how to play super rugby. Like they've got a really young squad and this, and they're making excuses for it. But I said, have a look at the Rebels. Have a look at the Tars. They've got a lot more guys with a lot less caps than, than we do over here in Perth. But have a look at what, say like DC and, and the rest of his coaching staff have been able to do with the same group of guys that they had last year. If they've brought anyone in, like I'd have, Jamie Roberts is in Sydney for a holiday, but he'll be doing what Alby's talking about there. He'll be mentoring, helping guys out. He's not out there busting tackles and everything on the field. He's adding off pitch. They're doing it with the same 23 blokes or 15 blokes that they did it with last year, but they've shown that improvement because the environment that that's that been created around them is one that is bringing out the best at all of them, whether it is they are competing or they've all got, you know, that they've all got one goal that they are all locked into and they're all working towards to achieve, like, whatever it is, they've got everyone going the same direction. And the same with, like, Kevin Foote has taken a little bit of time, but he is someone that he's he's big on emotion as well. He's a big emotional coach, so he's able to get a mood up. He's able to get that energy in a group, and it's taken him a bit long, but the Rebels are before they ran into the Kiwi teams on the weekend we're
0: starting to, to trend in the right direction there as well. But that, that that patience you talk about, are we saying like there'd be five guys scrapping for a spot? So, like with the Waratahs, there's three number 10s they've got at the moment, but I guarantee next year there'll only be two because one, one will go. So, how do you... Why don't we have that patience that the, the New Zealand teams have got? Again, like... <laughs>
3: Depends how competitive. It comes down to an individual as well. How much mm. do you want it to work for it? Otherwise, you're willing to just go. Nah, I'm out of here. But also in New Zealand, the the black jersey is like everyone yeah. wants a jersey. You look at how many guys could leave and go make hundreds like hundreds of thousands more than what they make in New Zealand, but they no people don't leave. New Zealand. They stay because they want that jersey. Mm. It's, just, it's just been the, from, you know, we don't have a whole lot in New Zealand, you know, in terms of, you know, like we're good at sport, few sheep, things like that. <laughs> a
2: lot of grass-fed land there. <laughs> yeah.
3: But you know what, but like that jersey is, you know, it's just um, everyone wants it and they're willing to just stick it out because they want that jersey. That's how much it it means to them. Whereas, you know, I don't know, you know, like you said, guys are willing, oh, I'll just go take the money sort of thing. And, you know, but there I got you know, that's that happens everywhere. But yeah, you know, it's just um honestly, it's it's probably to do with the generation of kids these days as well. I sound I'm starting to sound like, you know, those, oh back in my day we used to- <laughs> <laughs> But it kids the baby these days. It does my head in. Kids is bloody soft and like you know, they just, if they don't get their own way, they sulk or they just won't fight for anything. You know, if, if a kid doesn't want to do anything, they actually don't have to do it. Where they are, I think they should be made to do it for at least for a little while anyway. <laughs> you know, like you gotta, if, if you're not brought up with any adversity or anything like that, you've got to create it. I think as parents as well, you've got to create Adverse situations for your kids, so they build that resilience and things like that. You know, like again, a lot of these guys, we at the Reds, so I won't name names, but you know, kids, guys would speak and say where they're from, the tough, tough, uh, you know, hardships and things like that. And <laughs> no one had. Oh, uh, one of the hardships. Um, oh, my sister moved away and she lived like on the other side of Australia. <laughs> like that was the hardship. <laughs> like I mean. <laughs> Like, yeah, like that. But again, I just, you know, you've got to,
0: I think, yeah. Yeah, my internet speed's not very fast. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's it. You know, the social media
3: worried about what people on the, you know, all that say and that sort of thing. Like, do you want to be, do you want to actually be a rugby player? Do you want to be a rugby player and then build a social media brand rather than play rugby, play really well? And then you know the brand stuff will come, yeah. But yeah, it's just it's a just different times we're sort of living in. But again, the the environment you create as coaches is uh, it's obviously it flows onto the players. And and again, you don't in the end you want the players running the environment so they can just pass it on. So if those coaches leave the culture there and they pass it down and pass it down and pass it down. It just stays. So as soon as someone comes into an environment, for example, uh, I spent, I played for Canterbury, which is obviously, you know, people know how, how good the environment is. You come into that environment and you know, you realize day one exactly what the standards are. There's no like, Oh, Oh yeah. Can I do this? Can I sort of get away with that? You come in and you just, you see the way people move and talk and and act, and you're like, oh yeah, I know the standards here, so I need to I need to be up here, sort of thing, and that's and that's what you want. Um, and we, we started to do that at the at the force, and I thought it was, you know, we talked a lot about standards and would be driving them and call, not calling guys calling guys out, but, but to make them better, not to not to be dickheads or anything, you it know.
2: Cat, it wasn't a catch em out culture. It was but, yeah, if guys was...
3: were slacking. You know, you're letting the team down by slacking. So we're trying to bring you up and uh, and things like that. And, you know, I thought that's really good when the players, are, when players are telling other players, hey, that's not good enough. This is where we need to be. That's where, you know, when you've created a good environment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And just, you just mentioned uh, when you talk about what, this, what the Wallabies look back to when things are getting hard, did they did they say what it was? no, no. None-
3: None of the players could come up with anything. Mm, okay, <laughs> and the, and some and lots of them were wallabies too. They were like, we <laughs> don't,
2: you know, they. Yeah. they comes yeah. comes too easy for us, Nuke. Comes yeah. too easy for us.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah but, well. but, now, uh, we we'll, we won't keep you much longer. But um, just looking ahead, just to this week, Friday night, uh, Force against the Blues. How's it going to go?
3: I saw the Blues were named obviously named a. like a really strong side. Um, But again, you just, you just, the Kiwi team, like you've just got, you can't give them the, uh, you've got to be ruthless against them. You know, you've got to play your best game. Um, Any opportunities you get, you've got to nail and finish. And then you've got to get a bit of luck as well. Like seriously, with the team they've named, they've named it, yeah, it's a rock star team. But uh, send them down to Ocean Beach Hotel and <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fill them up. Fill them up on Thursday night.
3: Yeah, you've just you've just got to do the basics really well as well. You know, you you've got to win your set piece. You know, all the standard stuff, Play in the right areas of the field, and limit your mistakes. You know, Kiwi teams, you know, they thrive off 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 errors and and your work rate. You've just got to you know you've got to play hard for eighty minutes. You you could be up by thirty points with twenty minutes to go and. You know that's that's not enough. Not
0: enough. Yeah.
3: You know? You've just got to you've got to play your best game. Limit your mistakes. Don't give them second chance opportunities. And just do the basics really well. Honestly, the set piece, your catch pass territory, your defense. You've got to you know you've got to make your tackles and make them stick as well. Because obviously, once they get the flow on with their offload game and and that sort of thing, and obviously the breakdown, um, you've got to compete there because you can't give them quick ball. But before that comes comes physicality. Obviously, try beat them up. Honestly, try beat the Kiwi teams up. Give them something to think about. You know, because if they have, if they get their tails up because you're not being physical enough, it should be a long day. <laughs> <laughs> like like with anything, but honestly, you've got to be physical with, with, with any team you play.
2: A little bit of luck could come in the form of anything. I still remember back in, was it when we beat the Crusaders in 2013? And we were out on our feet like Rocky in the movie. And then fortunately, a uh, fortunately a, a uh, bloody streaker jumped on the pitch right when we were out. of <laughs> We are completely out of gas and we were completely tanked. And streaker ran through, stopped the game for seven minutes. And it gave us all the opportunity to get our breath back <laughs> and like get our bearings again. Excellent. Thank God he was a Kiwi as well.
3: <laughs> the nice. highest game, we got a, you know, right at the end there with Hundy. A little Things, bit
2: of luck. Yeah, you've let's start you get fa- some.
3: Honestly, start fast as well, you know. They do
2: Well, that's concerning
0: for the force this year, unfortunately. Yeah, God, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Wow. Well look, Alb, it's, it's been a great job. Any score prediction before we let you go? <laughs> <A> good. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> No. Uh,
2: oh. <laughs> um, How many fingers are you counting on there? Two. <laughs> <boy? laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go
0: 32, 15. Wow! I think they'd would take that. I reckon they'd be, <laughs> they'd, be pr- they'd be pretty happy with that. Who's that? The force. I didn't say who. I didn't. Oh, oh. <laughs> you're picking an upset. I just I'm just doing a score. Thirty-two. That's for a score. <laughs> All, right. All right, we'll we'll see how, We'll see how it goes. But look, mate, Albert's been it's been really great catching up. Um, I really enjoyed hearing some of your thoughts. Uh, enjoy enjoy the week and enjoy the game. And thanks for your time on the rugby wrap. Cheers. Thanks a lot, mate. Thank you. he's Loie. Yeah, mate. So that was Albert Matheson, the former Blues force and All Blacks half, and um, oh, oh he makes a lot of sense, doesn't he?
1: It was good. It was nice just to listen to you. And I just sort of sat back and just listened to Albert. Albert. Yeah, <laughs> I thought he was
2: great.
1: It was good to hear that he's enjoying life. That he's got some. He's he's had a pretty good rugby journey, going to a few different clubs. And I think he's got a lot to offer. Like when he's talking about coaches being able to contribute to things, and he's he's right up there.
0: Mm. Yeah,
2: I thought he's um, and he's one of those. He's one of those guys when he talks about like the Crusaders and what he could go in there and see what the level was like he's one of those guys that was at that level already like he's someone when he came into the group here in wa like dragged guys up like instantaneously like and demanded guys come up as well like he would if he was doing passes he would go and grab the other nines and say mate let's let's go and do stuff he'd go and grab the eights to work off the back of the scrum like every little detail like he was always he was always on top of it and that's why like if he if he can successfully trans into, transition into and how he does decide to into into a coaching role somewhere, um, yeah, he'll he'll go really well because of, because he yeah he doesn't miss anything and he knows what as he's he, he's been part of a lot of really really successful outfits and he knows what it takes to win. Like he's just he's a winner. And it's a Mickey, sort of, it's a Mickey
1: asked question. Sorry, yeah, Mickey asked him a question. Are yeah, um, the type of guys that the force should be recruiting and it. And like when Albany came across to the force, it was, I think he would have been mid-20s, 25, 26. Yep. He'd played, you know, for the All Blacks, he'd played under 21s, he'd played for the Hurricanes. and I think he'd played for the Blues. Um, so he was he was able to bring and draw on all those experiences and come into a program as a as a competitor, but also just being able to bring that just a little bit more element of experience and just polish. Mm. That's they're the type of guys that the force need to recruit. I mean, you can go out and get young blokes, or you can go and get guys that are journeyman that are, you know at the end of their careers. But I think that mid twenty-year-old type player is where
0: they could potentially bolster up their ranks a little bit. Because you, you talk, you talk about the um, the WA cricket team that that won everything this year about the makeup of their team.
1: Yeah, they they had guys that have been grafting away at first grade level for a number of years, have either been exposed to test cricket or played um, very close to international cricket. And, you know, you look at a guy like Hilton Cartwright who had a really great season and played beautifully in the Sheffield final. You know, he's in that mid-20s sort of Mm. echelon there where, you know, he's he's not an international superstar like the Mitch Masters, but he's absolutely... A gold nugget in your team as a team member, and then to be able to complement that with some younger players who can learn from blokes like that, and you know, aspire to be, and maybe raise the bar as far as attitude, training, preparation. Mm. So I think it's a it's a good balance to look at, and I still reckon the best podcast we ever did was the one with Benny Darwin, where he's talking about team balance, and I think that's that just reinforces that that whole argument and conversation. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, it's um. Yeah, it was, it was great. I really enjoyed it. So just looking at the results from last weekend, Chiefs 51, Waratahs 27, Hurricanes 30, Reds 17, after they were up 17-0 at one stage. Crusaders 42, Rebels 17, and the Blues 38-18 over the Drua, And the one shining light, the Brumbies 28, over the Highlanders 17. So what can we take away from that weekend? Are we well off the pace? Which oh, we kind totally of thought we would totally be. be. I think... Yeah. Yeah, no, I've got my mic on mute. Sorry, I was talking the whole time.
2: A lot of um, – I think there are a lot of positives still to take out of it. That Rebels first half where I think they kind of shocked everyone and they were, they were still in it. Um, and as well, the uh, – well, the force didn't lose too. No. Yeah, that's true. No. <laughs> that's, <laughs> no.
0: that's true. The, Chief, the chiefs
2: Waratahs
1: game wasn't a train wreck, I didn't think. Uh, I thought that was okay. Um they just, you know, the Chiefs just sort of powered over the top. The Crusaders, Rebels, I was surprised how well the Rebels... Rebels went, yeah. Went, but mind you, I thought the Crusaders were at times dreadful. Like their ball retention and their respect for the football was very un-Crusader-like on on the weekend. And I thought, my God, if they can just hold on the ball here, they're going to score a 1,000 tries because they were breaking the line at will. But just being too impatient and I think, you know... That was a bit cocky. I thought the Reds could have beaten the Hurricanes. They kind of put the queue and they went to seventeen nil up and put the queue in the rack a little bit and lost their way. And guys like Artie, that's where Artie Sevilla then takes a bit of leadership and he stamps his authority on the game. And you know, as soon you know as soon as you blink it's then like okay, well the Reds are now behind twenty to seventeen. You just go oh my god, how would they lose that one?
3: Yeah. But
1: I think you know when you look at the Waratahs put twenty seven points on the board, the Reds got a couple of tries with their 17. The Rebels got 17 points. The Brumbies were able to 28. I think Aussie teams, the ability to score points, I think it's there. I think they just need to tighten up a little bit with their defence and probably just a little bit more ruthless in attack. And We've been saying that all year, that Aussie teams need to be a bit more ruthless in attack. But certainly defensive-wise, I think they'll mix it. And, you know, you've got to respect the fact that the force are going to be playing against the top team this weekend. Hmm. And their slow starts could cost them big time. possession as, as Albie said, if the Blues get away, then that's it. Good, good night, right?
0: And do you like the idea of the Super Round? I mean, the league is still very well with their Magic Round. Do you think will, will this take off? Do you like the idea?
1: Yeah, I reckon it's a great idea. I'm a bit perplexed why they chose Melbourne. Hmm. You know, you can respect the fact that it's AFL heartland and all the rest of it and you're going head-to-head there and you don't want to, don't want to do something at Suncorp because that's where the magic round is with rugby league. But surely they can be a little bit more orientated to where the rugby heartland is rather than take it to Melbourne. And, uh, and by the sounds of it, the, um, the feedback I saw and a couple of articles written about it was they did delivery of the super round wasn't as polished as what people would have liked and there yeah. could have been a bit more activation or a bit more... Yeah, it was,
2: there, was, what, there was nothing in between games at all. Like, it was yeah. just dead yeah, time. Like, yeah, no so entertainment was, or anything like that. If
0: no activation.
1: If you're going to spend the afternoon at the stadium, what, is that, what does that look like, you know?
0: Yeah. Because yeah. That's, yeah, that's what I was looking at. I was saying there was... Um, Short half-time spectacles nothing in between games nothing to keep fans engaged no um, activations around the stadium no entertainment inside so it does make it a yeah they need to do something and and the crowds there's only about 30,000 over the three days but again which is which is pretty poor when you think of it yeah. and I was you know um, Albie was talking about the popularity of the league so I look at some of the league on the weekend and and all the grounds seem very full and I just looked at some of the crowds so over that weekend, the Storm Warriors had twenty-three thousand. Dragons Roosted had thirty-six thousand. Panthers Raiders had twenty-one thousand. Bronx Bulldogs twenty-three thousand. Eels Knights twenty-five thousand. So the league at the moment just uh, mm-hmm. it's it's on fire, and rugby's obviously struggling, which is a shame. But I think that that super round is a great idea, but I think it was a lost opportunity this time. But you know, hopefully it will continue. The players. That were interviewed seem to enjoy it, so hopefully it will continue, just with obviously a, a bit of fine tuning. I think yep. it missed. I missed out. It was missing a fair bit of marketing down there as well, from around yeah, people
2: living in Melbourne, even rugby fans. Like, on. yeah, didn't know it was on, and whether or not that's because it was the third party that organised it, or it
1: or was not a it. it was a Kiwis home round. So I don't understand. Yeah, I think they moved it when they rescheduled it, it was originally scheduled to happen in New Zealand, but then they oh, okay. it and
0: moved it to Melbourne. Yeah, maybe okay. So maybe Amy Park was the only place available. No, I think the mm. government, I think the Victorian government threw, threw some money to, to have yeah, it there. Yeah, okay. But, right. And compensated just, the Kiwi. No. Yeah. Yeah. But the,
2: yeah. See, and that's what, yeah, I, know, I know money is king in all of it, but then, you know, government throws money on it, but then nothing else is done. Lovely. Yeah. And There's it no ends legacy. up being a bit What's, of a... A bit yeah. of a deflating balloon down there. That's the yeah. thing. It could have been. Like, imagine if there was just those the same amount of people that the Warriors game, the Warriors Storm game then on mm. Monday night. You yeah, had that every day. It would have been yeah. you know, a huge weekend.
0: Yeah. And then just moving to, to club rugby, uh, wasn't pretty. Pally 67, Rocky 3. caller continuing Soaks' poor season up 45-22. West's 29, June up 8. Cot 31, Monaroo 26 in a tight one. Perth-Bayswater 56, Arcs 19, and in the Fortescue Premiership match of the round, Nettie's destroying University 52 points to 14. So some real one-sided affairs, which was been a bit of a concern of yours since round one.
1: Yeah, a couple of 50-point pointers scattered throughout there. I mean, poor old Arcs suffered another 50-point loss, and so did Rocky. So those two clubs are really up against it this year, and, and the surprise one is, yeah, the Young Associates team is really copying a bit of stick at the moment. And they go down 45-22 to Kalamunda, um, who have also got out of the box quite slow this year. But that's a big win for the the Bulls out there at uh, Hartfield Reserve. And they would have been very happy to knock over Sykes, to be honest. And there'd be a lot of the Golden Triangle clubs with a little smirk on their faces, seeing Soaks none from three after three rounds. Um, and rumour has it they've gone to the war chest and they're going to Bring in a few players to try and bolster up their ranks. Um, West West Scarver for me are the, uh, are the for front runners, along with Netherlands at the moment. Like West seem to be, you know, they're pretty polished. They've got a consistent group there. Uh, Wanneroo, probably unlucky not to get the chocolates over Cottesloe on the weekend, and um, Cottesloe struggling a little bit. Bayse bounced back from their um, loss to Uni from um, the earlier rounds to get a good win. So. And, of course, Netties, they were, very, they were very good on the weekend. They probably could have won by a lot more if their line-out was a little bit better, but we'll
0: see um, yeah, for that one. As we said in the broadcast, the uni were, they were trailing 10-9 two minutes before half-time, and yeah. then just the wheels just completely fell off.
1: Not making any excuses, but I re-watched the game, and the 50-22 that was awarded in that game was carried over inside the 50. So, Or was that- it? That kick, which then led to... The try. try.
2: Yep. Sounds, have been like ex- sounds like
0: an excuse. Yeah, so the referee's <laughs> got that. We should have picked
1: that up. you are going to have to crack down on that.
0: Um, <laughs> should have gone upstairs. Have and gone just upstairs. A, a bit of a shout out to Liam in The uni second row He had a really nasty leg injury. So I hope, hope he's okay. And also to Sterling McDonald, the young 17-year-old who scored two tries for Nettie. So uh, a nice day out for him.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was good, and yeah, probably Liam had a shocker with that. Ankle. I um, reached out to his dad on Sunday. To see, how he he's going, he was getting some surgery on it. So, uh,
2: yeah.
1: but he's a positive, kid. he's a positive young bloke. Um, that might be the last time we see him playing the game, but hopefully, he transitions into maybe a coaching role or um, gets involved even as a you know as a volunteer or a referee. Or it'd be great to see him still engaged with it because he's a a trivia kid and they're a trivia family.
0: Yeah, a bit of a mentor take on the Albie Matthews role roll down there, which would be um, which would be great. So then looking ahead to this weekend in uh, week 11 of 15 in Super Rugby Pacific, on Friday night, the Reds against the Chiefs, Force against the Blues, on Saturday, Fiji against the Highlanders, the Tars against the Crusaders, and the Rebels against Moana Pacifica. And on Sunday, the Brumbies up against the... Hurricanes so before we look at the Force Blues lineups just apart from the Rebels who should beat Moanda Pacifica can you see any Australian sides getting up this week
1: oh, I think the Brumbies Hurricanes game on Sunday will be fairly close I reckon that that if Brumbies at home would be tough to beat especially on a Sunday afternoon um, Rebels oh, I have I, nothing convincing me about the Rebels that are going to win any week I can't I face <laughs> hard to pick them but you'd like to think they should get up over Moana Pacifica. Uh, the Reds Chiefs. Well, I actually think the Reds should beat the Chiefs if they if they muscle up, be physical at the start, and really knuckle down. They should give the Chiefs a good run on on Friday. I would have thought. So
2: look, the this could op- be our week.
0: The optimum
1: says a Reds win and a Brumbies win. Waratahs Crusaders and the Rebels Moana is a lottery, and certainly I'm not giving the Force much chance against the Blues. <laughs>
2: I don't think that Waratahs Crusaders game will be a lottery, unfortunately. I think they'll be they'll be like we touched on before. They hold themselves to higher standards than anyone else, and they won't be happy with. If we could see what happened. They weren't happy with the Rebels being within a sniff of them at halftime on the weekend. And what happened. So I think they'll be coming out this week saying, "Well, we're doing that for 80 or you know, there'll be a
0: few changes made. Do you think yeah. they went? In, do you think they went to last weekend thinking, "Oh, oh, great, it's the Australians now."
1: Oh, yeah, oh, definitely the Crusaders. The way They, they haven't played like that, like, or, ever. Like, <laughs> the amount of loose balls they were throwing away, you're just going, come on, concentrate, fellas. They just, yeah. they just their heads
2: weren't there. So yeah. it wasn't like the Aussie media where the, all the Aussie media was like, oh, here come the Kiwi teams. <laughs> the, oh, dear, the end of the world is coming. <laughs> and they,
0: they were the opposite, do you think, over in yeah. New Zealand? Got the week off.
2: Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, dear. And then looking at the force, the force team to play the Blues, uh, Tom Robertson back, which is good, Fletti Kaitou and Santiago Medrano in the front row, Ryan McCauley and Isaac Ryder in the second row, Fergus Lee Warner, Kane Koteco and Ollie Callan, the back row, Isaac Lola Wassa, and Rashan pasatoa at the 9-10, Matelli and Pulu on the wings, Bailey Kunzel and Kyle Goblin in the centres, and then Jake Strawn was bracketed with Jake McIntyre at fullback. So, uh, Albie mentioned Rashan, but it's uh, it's going to be a, a good experience for him.
1: Yeah, and I think he's going to have to bring his shoulders. They'll be running a lot of traffic into that 10 channel, I reckon, on the weekend. Um, you know, uh, they've got uh, Anto Segna there from the Blues at number eight. So it's a bit of a let off that Satutu is not, not there, but they've still got Papaligi and Akira Aone
0: and well... Yeah, yeah, it's a good. So they've got they've got seven or oh, several with minor niggles or all black sleeve have have come the Miss super round have come back. Um, yeah. yeah, so Papilli or Papili is back in. Uh, Kurt Eklund, who's the top try scorer, he's back in. Uh, the props off up to Ungafasi and Alex Hodgman. It's his fiftieth cap. Luke Romano's back in the second row, as I mentioned. Akira Iwani, um Finlay Christie, halfback Caleb Clark coming on as well. Bowden Barrett, Roger Tuovasa-Shek. It's a as Alby said, it's a it's a rock star team, isn't it? Yeah, and
1: Caleb Clark will be stinging for a game after that. Oh yeah, for a few weeks. So I reckon he'll be he'll be getting involved off his wing, and Bowden Barrett loves taking the ball to the line, and he'll be really challenging through that 10-12 area. I reckon. So um, yeah, look, I'm a bit worried about Ollie Callan at number eight for the Force. To be honest, I'm, I'm not. I'm a bit perplexed around that selection, but um. Uh, also noting that Alex Musabaka, yeah, and Alex is going to be picked on the bench, uh, on the bench, on, on Friday, which is great for him, the young, the young man from uh, Associates.
0: Mm. Yeah. So, the, so the reserves uh, for for the force: Andrew Reddy, Bo Abra, Greg Holmes, Jeremy Thrush, Tim Anstey, as we mentioned, Alex Musabaka, Ian Pryor, and Richard Kahui. So, Alex, uh, again, another young local kid. He's, he's dad played for Soaks and uh for a long time down there and so it's great for Alex and it'd be a great moment for him for his hopefully get on for his first super rugby cap because he's only he's only pretty young. He's been around some junior Australian teams. Through the under twenties, yeah. 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 So um yeah it's good great, yeah. great moment yeah. for him. And he can play
1: number eight. He's he's not a bad number eight Alex so hmm. so maybe there's it's a genuine out and out number eight. Yeah. Yeah some tactics there to maybe move Ollie into the back row a bit later in the game and bring on Alex or something like that. So we'll
2: see how it goes. Yeah.
0: And so the ladder as it stands, so the Blues on top, then the Brumbies, Crusaders, Reds, Chiefs, Canes, Tars, and the Force in eighth spot on 13 points. Then the Rebels on 11, Highlanders 9, Fiji 6, Moana 4. So the, the playoffs, it's, um, which I'm not here yet, obviously, but it's a three-week playoff format. It is the top eight teams, so the Force just hanging on. When they hit the quarterfinals though, it's one versus eight, two versus seven, three versus six and four versus five. So it's going to be, you want to be in that middle part of that ladder, not exactly where the force is sitting, but you want to be in the eight because you're always a chance if you're in it. But uh, a couple of wins under their belt would certainly make a bit of a difference, but they're, what, no, 11 points behind seventh spot, has well, on 24 and the force. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be tough, but. Let's, we'll wait and see how they go. And then in club rugby this weekend, Cot versus Pally, Soaks Wests, Arks against Netties, UWA against Calamunda, June Lup against Wanneroo, uh, Southern Lions v Perth Basie, and Rockingham have got the bye.
1: Yeah, Cot Pally's is the match of the day this week down at Harvey Field. Let's hope the weather clears before Saturday, Mickey. Otherwise, we're going to get very damp down there. It's not <laughs> to be on a rainy day at Harvey Field. Um, that Sikes West game will be pretty good over at Allen Park and I reckon the other interesting game is going to be the one at McGilbray whether or not students can bounce back, bounce back. and pick on yeah. the balls um, the Battle of the North up at HBF Arena the Junaluk brothers taking on the, the Roodogs so that's always a good that's always a good picture um, those clubs have got a very healthy rivalry uh, luck probably need a win get get themselves uh, on the scoreboard this year With but I reckon Wannaroo might be the favourites there and I think Basie will account for Southern Lions and uh, Nettie's arcs could be a long afternoon over at uh, Harrisdale Pavilion. (laughs) For the arcs boys, if Nettie's put their act together and I reckon they'll run in a few tries.
0: So all those games kicking off at 3.30 on Saturday. So to the mailbag and the big news coming out this week is Kyle Godwin departing the fourth at the end of the season to play in Lyon. He's been a great ambassador for the game in WA and he's a guy that'll be missed.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely, but um, he's one of those guys as well, after after the chat with Albie, he's someone that you wish, like, you can never fault a guy for going overseas and, and earning some money, he's come back, he's he's helped the force through the first part of, of Super Rugby and their transition back into it, um, just, you'd love to see him hang around though, like, I know that, I know careers are short and, and we need to, or well, players need to maximise their earnings, but... Guys like that, because I think what well, kyle has got to be thirty now, isn't he? He's a, turning into an old so, bull. Yeah. Like he's a—he yeah. was called a veteran in the release. So Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's always—it's always funny because I think he turned up when he was seventeen or something yeah. like that. Um, to think about how long he's been around the building for, um, as much as yeah, as much as you'd love to see him stay, can't fault him going and and off to Leon to to fill. I think it's Charlie Natai's shoes over there. So a big
0: job to do over there. And hopefully he hopefully does come back and, and takes on one of those roles because it's uh, just hearing Albie talk, it's, it, it's really important. I think it is something that not a lot of uh, franchises give enough consideration to. Yeah,
1: and I think uh, uh, Cole's still got plenty of, plenty to offer. And I actually think the Northern Hemisphere version of the game probably suits his style of game a little bit better. Um you know, he's, he's never been that sort of electrifying sort of rugby player pace-wise, but he's always had good skills and he's tough and resilient, you know what I mean? He, he can get through a fair bit of work on the football field. Um, I Um, Probably, if you look back over his career, he's probably somewhere along the lines he missed out, I reckon, because I reckon he's more of a, a 10, 12, 15 than a 13, and then all of a sudden he sort of started to get turned into an outside centre, and I think that probably held him back a little bit to really... Be regular in the world, be set setup. Um, you know, he, he could have been that sort of ball player, 10, 12 type player, in my view. Um, and, and that, you know, when I when I think of Kyle Godwin, I compare him to a young fellow like Nick Eust, who yeah. had a really good breakout year for NRC as a twelve, and then sort of got cast aside, and is now with the Rebels outfit and, and trying to break into their, their their setup. And again, Nick was a ten. Who turned himself into 12 and then sort of has been to a couple of franchises? Cole's Cole's sort of had that journey. And Mm. uh, yeah, but certainly a really good young man, very polite, very respectful, loves his rugby. Um, And yeah, it's great to see that he's going to enjoy a bit of time in France, I reckon. Mm. Good point.
0: Uh, and then also Angus Bell, the Waratahs and Wallabies prop, has been cleared by the Sands. Dudrushi after being shown a red card for a tip tackle after only two and a half minutes in the match against the Chiefs last weekend and is free to play this week. I like Angus Bell and I like his father, but can someone please explain how he was cleared?
1: I've got no idea. how No it.
0: one can explain. <laughs> we got to get in,
1: get those lawyers a bit more up. <laughs> I thought that was just an out-and-out out straightforward tip tackle. It was never... Never not going to be a red card, wasn't
2: it? It was because, what was it, because they
0: were saying it was because of other players they involved said, in that, the tackle? They said the Chiefs' teammate, Angus de Arlo, assisted Kane's body going over the horizontal and contributed to the dangerous nature. So why didn't they red card him? And they're saying uh, that after reviewing the incident, the judiciary confirmed the significant involvement of other players contributed to the incident, deeming it didn't meet the red card threshold. But if you look, he, like, <laughs> he lifts him. You can see it. <laughs> yeah. He lifts him. I'd found that that was just wow. This, is
2: this a new? Is this another new directive though from World Rugby? Like, as you see on the weekend in the Northern Hemisphere, Wayne Barnes penalising. Uh, I've forgotten the the gents name, but he was so Joe Marler was carrying the ball and his teammates pushed him into the defender, which is the defenders, which has caused the defender to hit him a little bit high because he's changed the acceleration. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. Wayne Barnes actually penalised Joe Marler's teammate for accelerating him into the contact. And he said he's caused the high contact because of how he's accelerated um, Marler into him, which was a bit of a, like, like no one knew what was going on at that point in time on the field. Good grief. It could be that they're starting to maybe... They're looking past just the defender, and they're starting to understand yeah. that there are more
0: factors that are contributing. Mitigating factors. Mitigating factors. I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to say but I think you know, I I just can't believe you, you got off. But,
1: but this goes more and more to the point. Can we please get this red card law right? I mean, can we can we sort out what's foul play, what's deliberate, what's unintentional? Can we sort out? you know, the the penalty situation, like these these games where you get end up, end up, end up penalty and no one gets put in the bin until the team gets a bit of a warning to say, look, one more and we'll have to put a yellow. It's just just so monotonous now. It's just so predictable that you don't have, like, it's almost like, oh, well, we can get away with five penalties in our own 22 yeah. until the captain gets talked to because one's
0: a yellow card. But we they can give it away until yeah. that point. Yeah,
1: He's going, why can't... Someone give it, yeah, the yellow card for the first penalty. If it's yep. intentional, and it's professional. Why can't he be cut? Mm.
0: Like, and I don't understand. And then I saw a great, like your mate, Scotty Johnson came out. I was going to say, yeah. With a good little theory. Good idea. Five fouls. you
1: go, no, three. Three for three. Yeah. If you give away three penalties, you're in the bin.
0: Yeah. You go. Yeah, three strikes, you're out. Oh, individual, that, an individual player. Yeah. yeah. So that that happens in water polo. If you get, if you get three, you're red card and so say you're out for the match. And I think yeah. basketball, they've got – they might be a bit more five lean is isn't it? Five, yeah. and you're out. So, yeah, rugby, bring it in. If you give away three, you're gone.
1: Four number sevens out there would be <laughs> –
2: <Wouldn't
1: laughs> they? They just go, oh,
2: can we have, can we have five, please, sir? Can <laughs> I tell you, all the, all the pro throwers will be putting their hand up when the sevens are yeah. no, no, that was me, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll
0: take that one. <laughs> and I think you talk about the red car rules oh, – like with the tip tackle i thought that was crystal clear for it's been that way for years if you lift someone above the horizontal it's it's a red card so and i just on the head. Yeah. and yeah and if and if you hit a guy on the head it's it's a red card so players have got to learn that you just don't do it so I, yeah. and that's just clouded the whole thing that letting him off just for me clouds it But boggles the mind. We can argue anyway. Also, congratulations to Trillene Pomeray and Tamika Jones, the two Western Force players named in a 32-player Wallaroo squad for next month's two-test series against Fijiana on May 6 and Japan on May 10. So great news for those two girls. But why have we got 32 players for a squad for two games in Australia, one on May 6, one on May 10?
1: So they can do a post-training session, so they can prepare as well as they possibly could for the test matches my best rationale around that off the top of my head, Nikki.
0: All right. It just it just seems like a lot of players. But anyway. And then the Wallaroos have confirmed they're going to travel to New Zealand as part of the Pacific 4 series in June. They take on the Kiwis, Canada and the USA in an annual event. So it's great that they're finally getting some games. I'm happy with 32 to go to New Zealand, but yeah, I just make sense. I don't know if I need <laughs> 32 for a, a game. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, that's just me. That's just me. Uh, and some good news out of Sydney, and uh, and this has got nothing to do against you, Mitch, but the two Blues beating Gordon. Not great for Gordon, but the two Blues have been struggling. A lot of good people have been working hard for the club, so I think that, that was a great result for the two Blues.
1: I'll give them that, Mick. I will give them that. And I saw a bit of footage uh, at the end of the game that someone posted something, and the, the players and supporters were that happy. a yeah. was- Big milestone victory for them. And to do it at their new facility there, uh, the name escapes off the top. Eric, Eric,
0: Eric, Tweedle. Eric Tweedle.
1: Yeah, yep. Eric Tweedle Stadium. Yeah, to do it at their new facility is just go, well done, boys. That's fantastic yep. effort to all involved at the club to get themselves back up and running. And to knock off one of the fancied contenders for the shoot shield is yep. a big milestone victory for them.
0: Yeah, it's a great reward for a lot of hard work. And then, as we mentioned, we spoke about um, Cole Goblin going to Lyon. Uh, The rugby wrap team's leading a tour to the World Cup next year to France. Departs September 20, 18 nights, seven cities, five games. Now, we're having an information night and meeting some of the people who've already signed up at Fenway Subiaco, 6 o'clock on Friday, May 13. So, whack it in your diary and come along. Otherwise, you can find out everything about the tour on a website we put up. It's called rugbyworldcuptour.com. And luckily, we're better at touring than we are at making websites. But RugbyWorldCupTour.com has got everything you need to know. So you can jump on there and find out. But otherwise, come along on Friday night, May 13th, Fendway Subiaco, and uh, we can have a chat about it. And then finally, to the hero of the week. And Mitch, do you want me to give you them and you choose, or have you got them? Uh, you sent them to me. Um, I, have
1: got a, I have got a choice. Do you want to run through them?
0: I'll run through them. I'll run through them. Yeah. So, firstly, Valerie Carroll, she picked Tom Wright for a spectacular ball drop on the trial line. That's not true, Hu- Hugo that's, Alley that's for, the, for the two Blues beating Gordon. Uh, Craig for the Wallabies open side in waiting. Not sure which one he's talking about there. Yeah. He's got to be talking that's to Fraser McRide. Right. Right. And, right. right. and then Kirsty posted a clip from Sedberg School of a young fella talk to his mate at rugby training then giving him a hug, and she called him her Hero of the Week. And it was oh, a nice a gr- little bit of vision. It's a great – I don't know if you've seen it. It's I've stuck it up on our – on the Rope wrap Rap Twitter yeah. page. Okay, well, there's our look.
2: social media specialist right there. <laughs> <I don't
0: laughs> Twitter, it's, it's Heath Testament. So, no. Mitch, who's your hero? No. Who's the winner?
2: Well, I, I didn't
1: get to see that little um, – the kitty video. Oh, of... haven't
0: you seen it? Oh, mate, it's fantastic. Oh,
1: yeah. oh, mate, you'll, have to, it's... you'll have to put it in your WhatsApp chat for me. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought the Two Blues nomination um, – yeah. Hugo. Hugo. Yeah. Hugo. Alley. Yep. Right. Yep. Hugo yep. Alley. Yep. The two blues one. Like this, yeah, we just mentioned big milestone win for two blues all people involved. Yeah. All right, can that can be my heroes of the week, two blues.
0: A good rugby story, okay. so well Hugo done. Hugo gets you. the voucher. Well done to you, Hugo, for that one. Well, look, that'll do us. It's been a good episode. Uh hopefully the Force can cause the upset of the season this Friday night. So Mitch Tess, always good to catch up.
1: Yes, mate. Yeah, that was good. Thanks for all pleasure. the hour.
0: It was good. Really and good. Uh, have a good call on Saturday. And a reminder, feedback to the Facebook page, The Rugby Wrap, or to Twitter, rugby underscore rap. And that little clip from Kirsty is up on our Twitter page. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll catch you next time on The Rugby Wrap.